Mi gente, bienvenido, bienvenue, welcome to the Out of Play Area podcast, the Game Developers Podcast. With me, I'm your host, John Diaz. This one is going to be a special year-end recap episode where I sit here, sip on a little something, and take some time to be present in this moment and look back on our first year with the podcast. 2021 has been a year like none other. Nobody saw it coming. And I just want to sit back and do something a little different to celebrate where we've come, where we're going, and just talk to you one-on-one. Let me give you all the bio. For those of you who was your first time listening, who doesn't know me very well, let me read you my bio that I've been going with for all the conferences and things that I go to. I'm a first-generation Dominican-American with a Bachelor's of Science in Game Design and Development from Full Sail University. I'm an industry figure who's contributed to the design of some of the most critically and commercially successful games of the last decade, including Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption, and currently on the experience design for the tools behind such games as Battlefield 2042, Madden NFL 22, NHL 22, and FIFA 2022. I'm a game dev veteran with over 15 years in the game as a game designer for studios all across the continent, including Midway Games in Austin, Texas, Rockstar Games in San Diego, Warner Brothers Games in Montreal as an AI systems designer. Then I made the jump over to big tech and went to Amazon and AWS as a tutorial designer for their then Lumberyard engine, now known as the Open3D game engine, And then where I made the jump to where I am today as an electronic artist working on their Frostbite engine out of Seattle. As a tech designer, I work on tools that empower developers to build the most engaging games imaginable. I like to speak at conferences sharing the knowledge. So in this year alone, I've spoken at GDC. That's a bucket list item. My favorite conference, the Game Days of Color Expo. I've spoken at AI4 and the Latinx Games Festival, as well as a few other podcasts and interviews out there that you can find on my website at lkingpin.com. I'm all about that inclusivity and diversity, and I've actually really enjoyed playing that mentor card and interviewing other video game industry thought leaders on this bi-weekly game development podcast you hopefully know as Out of Play Area, available on all the platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Apple, and any other place that you listen to podcasts on. How does that ring? Does that sound like full of myself? Does it sound like someone you even give a shit to listen to? One thing I've learned is that nobody's going to give you shit, man. Nobody's going to give you your props or your cred based on what you've done or what you tell them you've done, man. So I have to sell myself and I have to keep selling myself. No matter how long I've been doing this, no matter what I've worked on, got to make sure that nobody sleeps on what I've done. And not only do I do that for myself, but I want to do that for my guests and everybody that comes on the show. Every episode is your real estate. It's your pitch. It's your story. And I do my best to emphasize everything and anything you've done because surviving in this industry is unlike any other. And for the people that hang on and thrive, you can look back and see that you've accomplished some pretty amazing things. So with that, let's hear from our friendly neighborhood nerdcore rapper, Mega Rain. Flight attendants, prepare for takeoff. Cabin crew, please take your seats. 
We are now about to enter the out of play area. Yeah. If you can't reach me, I apologize. Since we out of play, I never compromise. John D NYC, know we got the vibe. Make sure you hit that follow when you hit subscribe. Out of play area podcast. Out of play. Out of play area podcast. We out of play. It's just a little something for the game devs. Stay strong, stay true, and stay dangerous. Had to switch the styles for a challenge. Best thing out of Harlem since Young Miles Morales. A new podcast comes to provide the balance. With game dev veterans and rising talents. Out of play. Welcome to the Out of Play Area Podcast. A show by game devs for game devs. With no ads, no BS, just the real. Welcome to the Out of Play Area. Let's go. I love that part where he's like best thing out of Harlem since young Miles Morales. I mean, that dude just came off with that off the top of his head. Uh, it gives me goosebumps. You know, that's my hometown, Spanish Harlem at Barrio, 105th and 1st, East River Projects, born and bred. That's my youth. That's my origin story. And, you know, many people, what they know out of Harlem, probably Luke Cage is popular in pop culture and pop media. Miles Morales was definitely a huge hit in the MCU and with this game courtesy of Insomniac, I'm currently still playing that and loving it. You know, having his mixed family, African-American with Puerto Rock in there, special thing. Additionally as well, some of the prominent Harlem characters, right, that most people know if you watch Versus this past year, Dipset versus The Locks, you know, people like Cameron and Jim Jones, and Jewel L. Santana and Dame Dash, right? Like these are prominent Harlem figures. There was a artist I remember when I was coming up, De La Vega, he was big. And I actually have to do my homework. Who else is, who else claims Harlem in their catalog, in their repertoire? Speaking of Mega Ran, right, I had a short list of musicians that I wanted to work with. And due to the nerdy nature of the podcast, Mega Ran was at the top. And I really expected to not end up getting it, but I did. You know, and this was a totally random shot into the void. He had just released his book earlier this year and digging in the well and the Googles, I was able to find his management contact information and I reached out and a huge stroke of luck in the pandemic, timing being what it was, we were able to get collaborate and collaborate together and do the paperwork, sign a contract, come to terms that everybody was happy with. And, and it is what it is now. And I'm so happy and I'm so proud of that. I mean, the astute listeners out there might notice that there's a slight difference between the original debut version on episode 10 with Danny and the one that you hear at the, at the end of the podcast. And it's something that never would have happened if, if I had not said, fuck it and gone for it. It took a shot, took a chance. When I told Catherine that I, I had gotten him and we were working, she was super hyped for me, super excited. She was like, yo, you, you, you motherfucker, you got Mega Rant to be on your podcast. We're going to get there. We got to start somewhere, right? Again, sell yourself. Put that high production value on anything and everything you do. And, and to an extent, right, fake it till you make it. There's definitely a, an air of fraudulence when I hear that term. But at the same time, I hear empowering yourself, advocating for yourself, not selling yourself short, and just living up to the vision that you have in your head. There's something to be said for having the vision, coming prepared, 
right? Not just like, hey, you want to work with me? And then, okay, let's work. And then being empty handed. No, no, I had a vision, knew what I wanted. I had a reference. I had a bunch of other podcast type introductions and even sitcom introductions that I was trying to target. I had some beats and a rough idea and I had a budget. So I went in prepared and when we got the meeting, you know, we go off to the races quick, fast, and he was a delight to work with virtually. What I had not planned on though was Catherine's intro becoming such a staple. I originally meant to put the Mega Ran as the main intro for the show and, and replace the placeholder one that Catherine made, but I didn't expect the reception and the love that people have for her and, and hearing her voice, especially when she's like, you know, no ads, no bullshit. People love that. I was like, damn, man. I paid for this intro. What am I do? But we ended up figuring out it, it works well in the outro, which I, I know for a fact, most of you don't even stick around for, but that's, all right. you know, the real ones enjoy. And if this episode was the first time hearing it, I hope you enjoyed it. Speaking about Catherine's intro, this show comes all out of pocket, completely my own product. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way, really. The costs are pretty minimal. I have. A license I pay for Cavanly, which handles all my automation for booking and scheduling. I pay for my email domain, which is, you know, probably a dollar to a month through Ionos. I play, I pay a subscription to Descript, which is the best software for audio interview editing out there. I don't know of anything better. I challenge you to, to put something more fun to work in, which by the way, I got affiliate status. So. I can hook you up with a code and if you like it, you know, I get a little kickback on it. You got to check it out. If you work in transcription and audio editing, there's no better tool I've used, right? And I've messed with a bunch, all the Adobe suite, Audacity, some of these other things. My workflow is Zencaster to record interviews, import it into Descript, do all my editing in Descript, do all my post-production in Descript, and that's it. And then blast it up. I pay for Podbean. Podbean is where I host it. Epidemic sounds for music licensing for some of the beats I use. And I think that's about it for the most part. But yeah, I don't make a dime. I do have swag out there though. Curious if anybody picked up some swag. If you go to my website, autoplayarea.com, there's a link to get shirts, hoodies, what have you. Curious if anybody's picked any up. I'd lose my shit if I was to see that in the wild. If you want a sample, I can get one to you at cost. So with all that, I don't make a dime. I'm not in this for monetization. I've had a few people reach out to me for a sponsoring and all of that. And, you know, it's kind of at odds with the whole no ads, no bullshit. But we'll see. I'd be lying if I wouldn't be excited to get to a point where at the minimum, the show can just pay for itself. And that way I'm not a net zero. That would be dope. But for now, you know, the labor of love and putting my money into this for what it gives me in return, I'm already coming out positive. It was something I managed to work out with EA that I can do this on the side on my own time, not on company hours or equipment and never talking for them, always speaking in my own voice. I've never asked any of my previous employers to do something like this. And I think it's pretty simple, right? It's just something now you declare as like a prior invention and that you don't represent your employer. It's honestly hard for me to imagine having been allowed to do this when I was at Amazon doing like YouTube videos or at WB Games or even at Rockstar, right? Like, I just don't see them being like, oh yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and make a game dev podcast. Like, I just don't see that. But hey, the world is very, very different, right? Like if you would have told me the game industry would have allowed 
remote work, I would have told you you're crazy, but here we are. And I'm so happy, right? Like EA has been amazing to me. They've been a fantastic employer. I've been with them for a year and I could see myself with them for till retirement, to be fair, right? Like what, what I get to do on Frostbite is a dream come true. Like, I don't know, you know, to each their own, which by the way, I'm staring at this Mama Juana that my, my barber Frank hooked me up with at Seattle Barbershop in Cap Hill. And this is the island right here. This is Dominican Republic. So Sante, salud mi gente to health, wealth, happiness. Success, knowledge, health, always. Oh, smooth, smooth. Oh, that hits wonderfully. You got to look that up. You got to look that up. If you don't know what Mama Juana is, speak to, speak to your local Dominican embassy <laughs> and ask them for more information on that or Google it. That's uh, something special right there. If you listen or watch Drink Champs, the podcast with Noriega, DJ FN, He's Dominican and you'll see him drinking some Amahuana whenever he, he shouts it out. Uh, where was I? Frostbite's amazing, you know, to each their own. At my heart, as much as I love AI system design and the allure of stealth and a cat and mouse gameplay and smart AI that makes you think twice and makes you step back. Like, what did they do? Holy cow, it's amazing. At my truth, I'm a tech designer. I was a moderator for a panel discussing what tech design is all about at GDC. You can find it on the vault. It's called Avoid an Identity Crisis as a tech designer. It's got homies very near and dear to my heart that I will definitely be bringing on to the podcast in 2022 or 2023. I have a big ass backlog of episodes I've recorded featuring some dear homies from my rock star days, all the fellow Full Sail alumni. Some amazing people that I connected with for the first time. And then I have a bunch of people that have been nominated that I have to chase up and record. I definitely want to bring in some more engineers, some more pure engineers, talk to them, get their perspective. Definitely want to bring on a bunch of Gotham Knights people when that game drops, bring on some Moss 2 people when that game drops. Anything else coming out in the new year that I'm excited about? I definitely, yo, this everybody, I want to talk to everybody. What can I say, man? This, this podcast has been a ride and I'm so happy that I've been talking about putting this since 2014. When I left Rockstar, I was looking at things to do outside of the game industry or even some entrepreneurial type thing. And I wish I had followed suit, to be honest, right? Like at the time, I think Serial Podcast wasn't out. And so the world hadn't blown up. Some might say, hey, I missed the boat, right? Like now it seems like everybody and their moms has a podcast in 2021. But I think that's fine, bro. Like I'm not doing this for anybody but my damn self. And the little bit that I see in growth has been amazing. And it, it motivates me to keep going. You know, there's something to shipping content. You know, as a game developer, we go three, four, five years before we ship something. And if I had stayed at WB Games, right, I got there in 2015 and Gotham Knights still hasn't shipped. You know, hopefully it's out in 2022, but it would have been since 2013 that I shipped. It would, it would have been nine years. And uh, so fuck that. And I'm super happy that I made the choice I did and jump ship in 2018 and came aboard to Amazon and was like, yo, you making what? You're making a, a game engine and it's based off CryEngine and it's open source or free and it natively integrates with the cloud and does what? For real? And then, you know, thinking to myself, like, if anybody got the pockets to make a competitor to Unreal or Unity, it's definitely Amazon. And I was hyped, man. Like, 
Hell yeah. Let me let me forget this working infinitely on a title that may or may not see the light of day. And let me come work on tools and see a bunch of games, see all the games that that engine is touching and be able to support all these developers and not be tied to one project for X amount of years. Right. That, that's where my head was at. You know what I'm saying? I've come to find out that what excites me is the act of making the game and refining that and making it more efficient and helping empower people who are better than me to get to the fun faster, right? Like if we spend 60, 70% of the effort just making things work and then the remaining 30, 40% tuning it and refining it and making it fun and compelling and make sense and making that thing shine and polish, right? Like I want to flip that around, you know, I want to make making the game easy, and then give you all the tools and the flexibility to refine and polish and chip away. You know, that, that's what that's what thrills me. That's what excites me. And that's what I found at Frostbite. At Amazon, it was like, hey, come build videos and show people how to use the engine. I was like, holy shit, okay, I've never done this before, but okay, let me go for it. And taught myself Adobe Premiere and the whole Adobe suite and studio recording and lighting and acoustics and framing and color and lighting and all this craziness, bro, and editing. Ooh, that was a crazy three years at Amazon, man. And put me in another, in another world, right? Like big tech is insane. Well, I come to find out Seattle is just crazy with the cost of living and the, the salary bands out here is just crazy. You make a lot of money, but you also spend a lot. You know, that's something. But yeah, man, I found Frostbite where it was like, man, Amazon's never going to ship a game and they don't really know what to do with all this time and effort and money. Like they, they're not in no rush to get anywhere. They'll get there eventually on their own time. New World shipped that year, and that was a big deal. You know, hats off to them, kudos to them. I wasn't tied to that. You know, that was one thing that didn't make sense to me was the connection and the communication between the engine team and the games team was uh, was weird. When I left, what would appeal to me at Frostbite was like, okay, there's games being made on this technology. It's hardened and refined. You know, there's battlefields and the sports games and the Bioware games. And we're going to refine the engine by the nature of the games that we're putting out, which are everything, right? You got Need for Speed Racers, you got football and soccer, and you got shooters and battlefield and everything in between, man. So I was like, yes, if I love working in the engine space, then I want to come work for an engine that's actually pumping out heavy hitter games that people were playing and big ass communities and a stable name. And, and here I am this year, my plan has paid the fuck off because in 2021, I've shipped as many games as I've done in my entire career with NHL, Madden and FIFA. And then capping it off with Battlefield, that's four games in 2021 added to the belt. And mind you, I'll be honest, I'll be, I'll be real with y'all. I'm credited as part of the experience design team on the engine team. That in itself is amazing. We have a dedicated content development team just for the engine team. And mind you, I, I didn't check in a single thing into any of those project repos, but I'm credited on the game because what I did check in was all engine facing content for working with the engine. And I got those creds, bro. And if I stay here, you know, that's like four or five games a year. 10 more years, man, I'll be in, I'll be in a nice, nice league of my own. Thanks to the opportunity. This is just the things I see ahead and while drinking this mama wanna. All that being said, the thrill of shipping is second to none and working on something with a team and celebrating that blood, sweat and tears. But that thrill, I get it in tiny doses in micro doses when I was shipping 
10, 15 minute tutorial videos every week on YouTube for Amazon and being paid to do it, right? I was paid to be a YouTuber, paid better than ever, been better than what I was being paid to be a game designer. And now when I didn't have that, I missed it. And that's what this podcast gives me, right? Is I make content and I craft it and polish it and edit it down and then release it every two weeks and then get the feedback and refine and iterate. But shipping and hitting that publish button gives me that thrill, right? Definitely to a smaller scale, smaller degree, but it's so satisfying, right? Like, ah, ship that shit. Boom, it's out there in the world that exists. It will, it will stand the test of however long the internet is up and running. It's my content. I shipped it, right? It's my baby for the public to consume and tear up and hate on or praise or whatever. Site, source, whatever. Get me in trouble. Who knows? And I love it, man. What was funny is I didn't know how I was going to find the time for this when I was telling Catherine. And Catherine was super hyped for me when I told her I wanted to do this. She was super supportive, but she was like, I don't know where you're going to find the time. You have a bunch of shit going on. And I just dove into it. And so I would estimate it takes me about one hour to have a pre-show chat with the guest, two actual hours of recording, and then about three or so hours of post-production and probably another hour into like social media and promoting and writing up those little videos or images and, and little blurbs, spreading awareness. So let's round up to say seven hours, seven, eight hours an episode, an episode every two weeks. Therefore, we can round up to four hours a week. And with all the things I got going on, I took inventory of my time. And I noticed there was a shit ton of time spent watching media or consuming media or playing games. And once I decided to cut from my gaming or you know, Netflix timing, those four hours were easy. And I love the hours I spend there. And it, it's skills that are adding to my repertoire. It's things that I can put on my resume and new software that I get to use and a new voice that gives back into the other thing I like to do, right? Mentoring and sharing the knowledge at conferences. It helps me to be a better speaker, helps me to be a better interviewer as well as an interviewee. You know, I've, you know, my model is say yes to every opportunity of which there are so fucking many on LinkedIn these days. Now with the remote work being what it is, everybody in their moms is being like, yo, you're a tech designer. We're looking for tech designers. And none of them are on the same level of understanding as like, yo, a tech designer can be so much more efficient if you let us work across projects as opposed to just building it on one project. And again, that, that takes me back to the opportunities that I have on engine teams, right? Like I love Frostbite and I don't need to see myself going anywhere as long as they keep taking care of me and giving me a role to get to the levels I want to get to, right? Right now I'm an IC, I'm a senior. I definitely have aspirations to move up to principal and hone in on my skills. But as a result of this mentorship and talking to people and talking about growing a team and fostering talent, you know, for the first time in my career, in my life, I, I would not be opposed to being a manager, being a director, being a lead. That's something I'm open to. It's one of those typical things you see in games where, hey, you've never been a manager before. We're not going to give you the management position. But with my boss, I, I think I can grow into it. If I had to think hard to be like, what place can give me this opportunity, a similar opportunity, or maybe to another degree, I would imagine Epic, right? Like Unreal Engine, like, hey, John, we want you to come work on the Unreal Engine and do what you do, but for Unreal, of which there are so many of the homies working on Unreal for their game. And if I can come behind the scenes and help author that stuff and push that out and make that better and while learning it, right? Like, I think that'd be something that I'd have to entertain. Who knows? Bro, it's been a crazy year, man. Uh, I'm so happy what we've done, what's out there in the wild. We've had a lot of great guests. What are we, 23 episodes in? 
hopefully next year I'll get 24 in and probably that, that'll be the cadence. So have a 50th episode sometime in 2023, if things keep going well, there's been some interesting reoccurring themes that I've heard in 2021 after all these interviews. And so one of them has obviously been how different and unique each of our stories is in breaking into the industry. You know, some starting QA, others through interning, others through community or social or esports. Others go to school. You know, myself, I went to full sale. And almost always, you know, connections play a big role in there. Someone nudging you or pushing you or telling you that you can do the thing or putting you in contact with somebody to do it and then taking the chance and going for it. And we all play games, right? We were all gamers before. Nobody just kind of ends up in game development without having been a gamer of some sort. I find that super fascinating. The second big theme that came up a lot this year was that it's super important to be flexible and adaptable. It's very rare that the thing you think you will end up doing or applying for is the job that you actually end up doing. But having a general sense is important, right? Like, hey, I, yeah, I want to do design or I want to do engineering or I want to be an artist. A fair amount of us designers all started out as engineers and ended up getting into design. And then you have QA that usually evolve into something else, right? They evolve into design, evolve into production, being a producer. So looking back on all that, right, something we talked about a lot is the vital skill to stay adaptable, dare I say fungible, especially today. There's roles today that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago, right? There's monetization or economy designers. User experience was not a thing. Community wasn't a thing, right? And these are new roles that you may not have a degree in, maybe a certificate, but you know, you apply that a lot of the skills is is about communication and not being scared to dive into technology or learn something on the job. And I think finally, the, the third theme that you heard a lot of was when I asked a bunch of these people, like, hey, what do you look for? And when you're hiring talent and recruiting, you know, they were all pretty aligned with, you know, we want to hire good people. And my saying is, right, my bad, my bad, I was being a dick, is they don't want to hire jerks, you know? Like, it doesn't matter how good you are, the games you've worked on. If you're a jerk, whatever prior experiences, right? Like we all have our prior relationships or learned behaviors. Any creative can get easily defensive. And then you want to square up and bring the knives and guns out. But stepping beyond that Neanderthal reaction is using that medulla oblongata or that prefrontal cortex and thinking and going back against your instincts to fight or flight and remind yourself that, yo, we're all on the same team. We all want to make the best game possible. Let's talk this out. Help me understand what you're saying. It feel explaining your feelings, right? Emotional intelligence is a never ending skill or journey in, in figuring, learning yourself out and communicating your thoughts and emotions because nobody ever really knows what's going on in someone else's head, right? You can't teach those skills, but those are the vital things, right? Good attitude and communication any day over someone with the skills in the portfolio. And you know what it is, man. Like it just takes too much damn time and investment. You can always teach the hard skills because you know, one rotten person and their toxicity will seep through the entire team. And that's how you lose talent. I put a lot of love into these post editing on these episodes, you know, each interview is about two hours of recording and I'm usually trying to fight to trim out like a quarter of it. And I keep telling myself that I could be far more aggressive and cut them down to even under an hour. And you know, the more I cut, the higher the quality of the interview typically. 
curious what you guys think. I like the long form. I'm happy with them around 90 minutes or so. It, it allows you to really get to know the person, really feel like you can connect with them. So if you see them one day in the wild, whenever the world goes back to normal, you can reach out to them on Twitter or LinkedIn, that you, you have a sense of like, you have some connection there to build off of. But you know, that's, that's kind of where my head is at in the next year, right? Keep doing what we're doing fighting to get that like polish in and get these episodes to like an hour as opposed to their length now is like 90 minutes i think would lead to a better overall experience having more listeners complete the the episodes it's been a great year y'all 2021 has been fantastic this pandemic you know while it's as shitty as it's been i've been able to really thrive in it. i'm not gonna lie you know, I've turned my home into a headquarters and have just been creating and fostering the family side with wife in Maui, keeping my health up, eating right, taking inventory of my time and how I spend things and connecting with like coaches and mentors and turning that around, right? For the betterment of like, yo, what can I do to help this industry out? What do I have to share from my experiences? And will anyone listen? Will anyone give a damn? I don't know, but I'm putting it out there and I hope Whoever it resonates with, even if it's one person that can come back to me and be like, yo, John, I got in because of the thing you said or this episode or this talk or whatever, then it will all have been worth it. Mind you, that's been another huge thing, right? Like I helped Catherine break into the industry. She's over on Lumberyard, the Open 3DE team. This was like one, easily one of the best moments of my life, like hearing her as she thrives and kicking ass over there, bringing her experience into games and helping write that ship. And I've gotten a few other people put on, right? I, I think I've helped more people land jobs this year than ever before all the other years combined in my career. And I love it. It's a great feeling. Like I can actually appreciate what recruiters do much more than ever. I can see how people just like dedicate their lives to that, which that's another great point is I want to bring someone onto the show. I want to bring several people onto the show that work in talent acquisition. I think there's just so many insights, man. I've been through so many sales pitches and negotiation talks that I'd love to get someone on here sharing their insights on that. Next year, I got a bunch of nominations I got to follow up with as well. Bi-weekly seems to work well and sustainable for this one person solo production. It's been a great year and I, I, I'm curious what next year will be. Will we all be in a kind of a hybrid situation? I see myself continuing to work from home. Damn it. I have no reason to go into the office. I would definitely love to go fly and travel to some other studios and meet people that I've been working with over the past year or so. I would definitely welcome that. But as far as like, hey, going back into the office, like, nah, 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 not for me, man. I'm being far too productive working from home and I'm not letting this shit go ever. Today is the day after Christmas, December 26th. It is Sunday. Normally I have the episodes all buttoned up and polished up by now, but this one's live. Post-Christmas, big-ass snowstorm in Seattle. We love it. It's rare. It makes me feel like Montreal. You know, Catherine feels like she's back home. We get to live like we're back in Quebec with our snow gear and boots and all that and playing in the snow. Maui loves playing in the snow. I posted a reel on my Instagram of what that's like. For those of you who hook up with me on Instagram, yo, mi gente, you know, I'm, I'm not just a, a podcaster. For those of you that don't know, I'm also a developer. It's important for me to establish that I'm not just a talker of talks, that I walk the walk and I ship games, right? And so this year has been the best year where I got four new titles under the belt and not just any titles, right? Like how the hell do I follow up 
GTA 5 that's still selling, right? Sold on 360 and PS3, sold a bunch on PS4 and, and Xbox. And then they even sells now on PS5 and the next generation. How do you top a game that sold damn near a billion copies? And I mean, you know, getting on FIFA, Madden, those franchises that, you know, ship numbers pretty close to GTA numbers. And then you throw that onto the Battlefield franchise and having my name in there, right? It's one name out of hundreds. And it's something I don't take lightly and I want to pay back and, and eventually actually make a commit to those repos. But, you know, learning the land and doing what I can. And, uh, and, and I've been blessed, man. My career, my resume is pretty solid, yo. Not going to lie. But more importantly than that, I would say the network is pretty solid. And anyone that knows me hopefully will vouch for what working with me is like. And for those of you that haven't worked with me, maybe you would like to work with me. Maybe that's something that I've been able to convince you or entice you on. That's always a possibility. One thing that happened is the Zero to Play podcast and the homie Carl Duke over down under, we connected and he's a hell of an interviewer, yo. If you haven't checked out that podcast, go check it out. He reminds me of Sean on uh, Hot Ones with his research and the dirt he's able to dig up and throw at you on the fly. He's actually reached out to me like, yo, man, come be a guest host on that podcast. And I'm like, yo, why the hell not? Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. Let's cross promote. Let me lend my voice to your show and let people know that there's, if they like me, that I got my own thing, come check it out. And as well as put my audience onto his content. Some of the other podcasts I love, right? If you think mine's is I and decent or you, you want more, but I'm not able to give you more, right? There's Game Dev with a shot of Jameson with the homie Jameson Doral. He came on episode four. He has his podcast that he drops every week talking about similar topics and game development. A big one that I love as well is the Game Maker's Notebook by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences featuring the homie Ted Price over at Insomniac. I'd love to get that dude on the podcast. That'd be dope. The GDC podcast has some decent ones every now and then. There's another one called The Game Dev Show that's pretty dope. It had Alicia on there. That's when I gave a listen. She, Alicia was fellow rock star now at Crystal, and she was on the tech design panel. I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out the Habibis, you know, my old homie Osama Darius, Fawzi Mesmar, and Rami. That's the fun guys to listen to. They put another spin on, on it, but, you know, you occasionally hear industry talk on there. Those are the big ones that I like to plug for people looking to understand more about game development and get a sense of what goes on there. Yeah. So go check that out. Go spread the love. Let me know. As always, always looking for people to bring on and talk shit with. Let me know if you'd like these general kind of flow of consciousness one-on-ones with your boy. It's not hard for me to do. I could definitely get on the mic, drink some drink, talk my shit. But you know, this is more for y'all than it is for me. My personal enjoyment definitely comes from connecting with you guys one-on-one, talking shit, Joe Rogan style, you know? All right, man, to, let's wrap this one up. See you all in 2022. I'm going to take a little break, about a month break, and then episode 25. I haven't decided who that's going to feature. It may be the homie Mauro Fury whom I work with a rock star who's now working at Fire Monkeys. He's an electronic artist doing big things down there. But that may be who it is, and that will debut probably last week of January, if not early week of February. So for now, happy 2022, game devs. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me in your life. Thank you for giving me a space. 
Thank you for motivating me and keeping me doing this thing. I'm so excited. You don't even know what this podcast allows and gives me and rewards me with. And so if someone else happens to entertain or get something out of it, that's just all that much better. Anyways, take care, be safe, stay strong, stay true, stay dangerous.